Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number 17 of the Lions Den podcast. I'm your host, Fanny, and with me today is uh, actually another uh, real estate superstar. Uh, but what I'm excited about is this conversation is actually going to be a little bit different uh, in the sense where we're going to talk more about uh, industry, uh, clientele, and then obviously I'm going to get uh, some real good insight on you know some challenges uh, it takes for a girl or a female to actually succeed in this uh, in this industry. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Miss Monica Wahba. How are you? Hi, Fadi. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, and thank you for the amazing introduction. <laughs> it's uh, it's just uh, a little bit. Uh, I didn't even put it together. I promise. It's not scripted. <laughs> I promise. Um, but uh, before we get into all the business talk, tell me how your uh, your last few months were. How was your quarantine? What did you do? Um, I've been busy. I've been busy with work. I've been busy with everything, to be honest. Busy with uh, COVID weddings as well. Oh, as, yeah. Those uh, all got uh, postponed. And then they, I guess they all happened in like the same four week span. Yeah, with the, with certain restrictions, they were happening, yes. But uh, other than that, uh, been, been interesting times, to be honest, for real estate. Been busy in different ways, which is good. Yeah, and that's a good thing about yeah. the industry. I feel like it wasn't as affected by the COVID pandemic. Obviously, it was a little bit, but I think for the most part, um, most real estate people I spoke to were pretty busy during the COVID time. Yes, we seem to be uh, very resilient. Like our market is still very uh, um, resilient to all the changes that's been happening. So it's good. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Monica, can you just share with me and our listeners, uh, what mm-hmm. is your position currently? What, do you, what position do you hold? So I'm a broker, a real estate broker. I uh, work with the Century 21 Leading Edge, a condos deal realty. We're a sub brokerage out of a bigger broker. And we actually specialize in uh, pre-construction developments. Oh, okay. So that's your yeah. that's your specialization. Is it uh, is it buildings, homes? Doesn't does it matter? So we any any pre-construction essentially condominiums, townhomes, detached. Uh, we work with a lot of investors. I would say about maybe over eighty percent, even ninety percent of our clients are investors. And the rest would be end users. So we're very specific field in real estate, but we also practice um, everything else essentially because it's one license that allows you to practice all. It's just a matter of where you decide to uh, specialize in. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm excited to actually find out how you specialize here. But let's backtrack yep. a little bit and, and sort of paint the picture of your, your path. So where did you or what did you do in school? I went to uh, University of Toronto downtown campus, and I actually did something completely different. I saw that I, actually. Yeah, I I uh, graduated with political science and philosophy. Very very different. Very very different. I did want to go to law school, and I actually wrote my LSATs twice while I was working for Century 21 before I decided to become a licensed uh, realtor. Oh, interesting. I yes. That I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't see that. But I actually, I didn't write the LSAT, but I studied for it. It was a, yeah. a brief dream of mine. Um, didn't work out for me. But uh, okay, so you were working for Century 21 already. How did you find your way in there? And what were you doing during that time for Century 21? Um, so as cliche as it may sound, how I found my way was honestly looking back at it right now. I think it was just a gift from God as cliche as this may sound, 
Um, so I was assisting a broker, uh, a real estate broker, same position that I have right now. Um, how I got into it is a funny story. While I was studying from my LSATs, I just needed um, a part-time position working from home just to generate extra income. And I found one of my friends posted on Facebook, um, are you looking for a job that you can do from home? I messaged her. She uh, put me in contact with the broker. At that time, I started, I just got the job. I was his assistant. I essentially did everything that I was, um, I was allowed to do as an assistant, but I was exposed to the full market back then. That was back in 2013. And I wrote my LSATs twice, and one time him and I were just in a meeting, and I was like, why don't you just get your license, and we create a team or, you know, join my team instead of being an assistant. And honestly, the rest was just history. I kind of just went at it. I actually bought my first property through uh, through him then, um, got my license, like registered for my license a month after. And the rest is just history of just been doing that since. That's actually uh, that's a crazy story, because I feel it's, a lot of people who end up in real estate, at least some have some sort of sales background just because, yeah. you know, there's a lot. So I don't know specifically with real estate because I've never been in it, but I can imagine yeah. that there's a lot to learn. And in those types of industries where you get a license and, and, you know, you become a broker. Everyone's essentially running their own business. Yes. You really need to find a great mentor or you can get lost really easily. And 100%. You, could, you know, like I, I see it a lot in the industry line or in the insurance line where you get your insurance license. You don't have a good uh, mentor. You don't really have many learning opportunities. You don't learn much about the product in the industry. You know how each product works for, you know, different people. So did you feel like you had that mentor and the person that you were working with? I, I, I did 100%. And the thing is, I saw that even before I decided to uh, to get my license. And I think that's what pushed me because I was exposed to uh, sales procedures. And uh, because pre-construction is a little bit different, too. I was exposed to a lot of builders. And I saw the process. I saw how our clients made money. And, you know, and I just thought to myself, why aren't I doing this? I'm already doing it as an assistant. Why aren't I getting my license and taking it to the next level? And um, to be able to be part of a platinum team actually gave me a lot of, uh, of insight in the industry in general and opened up just a lot of different networks. I'm still part of the same team. We started just him and I back in, you know, when I got licensed was 2016, I believe. And now we're a team of about, almost 12 people which oh, is wow. nice because we get to cover honestly essentially all of Ontario and sometimes even outside of Ontario so it's nice to have uh, I always when people come and ask me you know what's it like being on a team should you go solo should you be on a team and in real estate you're you're always solo in a way because like you said it's always building your own business but also working as a team helps you um cover so many different areas while still working and building your own business if that makes sense Absolutely so yeah. I just I just want to clarify one thing because I know that mm -hmm. obviously within real estate like we were saying every every broker is essentially running their own business um Correct but you guys all sort of work towards the goal of a business together right like you're all in the same brokerage and you want the brokers to succeed but 
at the end of the day, each of you is running your own business and your Correct. priority is your own business. So I just want to understand from you, are you in, are you the leader of this group of 12 or are you, or are all of you sort of equals going towards the same goal? So it's, I'm not the team leader. The team leader would be the broker of record of the actual brokerage. But each one of us is individually licensed, so individually working um, for our own goal, but the goal of the team as well. And the reason why it's 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 a little bit different to um, understand just because of the way pre-construction works is um, there's certain platinum access that is given to certain um, teams before other realtors and before the general public. So you will find in the pre-construction world, world, there's a couple of major teams and each team has about, you know, 10 or so um, realtors working on it, specializing in pre-construction, selling in volumes. So I don't know if that really answers your question or, or not. It, it does a little bit, but I want to even yeah. dissect it a little bit more because mm-hmm. I'm, I personally learn more by like actual examples. So I'm going to ask you like very specific questions. Sure. But, let, let's talk, let's say, okay, so I I live in Milton, right? So in Milton mm-hmm. is a new development hotbed. There's tons of construction around our area. So yes, these are pretty much either Mattamy Homes or like maybe like one or two other sellers is that, or, or builders. Yeah. Is that what you're referring yeah. to? So, so we don't represent the builders. We represent our clients, but we work with all these builders that you're talking um, about. So the builders will have marketing companies representing them. Okay. We market the projects on our end and we get clients for the builders. And because we sell in volumes, because we specialize in pre-construction is they allow our clients to have very first access. So we get reduced prices. We get extra incentive that is not always available to the public. But our representation is to our clients, not to the builder. That's but we cool. work directly with them. It, for example, when you're working in a normal um, resale transaction, um, there's always a listing agent and a buyer's agent. Yes. So you can think of us as the buyer's agent in a way. Okay. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you're pretty much incentivizing the investor to, to join with you guys. It's a win for them and it's a win for you guys at the end of the day. Uh, to tell you the truth, it's always a win for a buyer, especially in pre-construction, to always have a, a sales uh, rep representing you. You're, it's not costing you anything. If if anything, it's adding so much value to your purchase because there's so much um, that goes into an agreement of purchase of sale that has that is coming directly from a builder that needs to be understood before you can even make a decision on which um, development you should be investing in. So once you have an experienced um, realtor that knows all the different projects, it's it's added knowledge to you. So I wouldn't I, I don't see why you wouldn't use a realtor. Fair enough. As yeah. as the broker yourself, let's say, for mm-hmm. example, your brokerage, you're taking on a new project. How much mm-hmm. time in advance are you guys made aware that, hey, this is the project that you're going to be taking on. So let's start lining up some some buyers. How much time do you have between when you're notified and when things start going right away? Uh, there isn't. I don't have a one set answer for each project, but it's sometimes even maybe a year in advance. Oh, OK. So you get some time. This project is coming. We already started marketing. 
um, on our website for it. We already started generating leads. When it, when the actual launch date is set, typically at least they will give us, I would say, just to be give you a fair answer, maybe, maybe about a month. Like I already know I have projects coming launching October 15th. I knew about it from two weeks ago. Okay. It really depends on the project. Um, it depends on the builder and it depends on the timing that it's launching as well. But we, for the most part, have a well um, enough time in advance to prepare our clients and to be able to market. Yeah. Um, and, and however, that's... when the sales start, sorry to cut you off, but no, when no, the either. sales start, sometimes it's, it's very fast paced because it's, uh, if you don't buy, that's it. it. Goes on to the next person. Absolutely, and and that's yeah. one thing too is with real estate, it's very very fast. So as as a realtor, you've got to be ready around the clock to, yes. to pull the trigger at any moment. So I I definitely understand that. Um, and I guess the reason why I asked my previous question is I wanted mm-hmm. to know more about your preparation um, for clients. So or like when you, when you're made aware of this uh, new development that we have, is your first thing is. I'm going to set up a list of people or are you looking to learn more about this property and really understand it inside and out so you can talk about it? So we typically already have a knowledge of the the, the product before it's even presented to us. Um, so once we are aware of any information, we do um, notify the clients through emails, um, phone calls. It really depends on what stage um, of the process it is. If the project has not launched yet, if I don't have the floor plans and the price list available, there's not much for me to notify them um, with other than just keeping them in the loop and letting them know we have a launch date set. Um, as soon as prices and floor plans are available, you will receive um, a notification from us. So that could either be via a phone call text message or email, it really depends on the client because different clients like to be contacted in a different way. Um, but because you, we have the list anyways, we typically do send out a mass email preparing the clients of the next steps just so they're aware with it, of it. Uh, once the project is launched, and by that I mean prices and floor plans are available, then we contact them um, via phone as well. And we go through the floor plans and the price list with them and we help them narrow down their options before we do something called a worksheet. And what a worksheet is, is essentially, you know, let's assume you, Fadi, are my client. I have this project X that you're interested in. I went through everything. You tell me, you know, I think those are my top three preferences that I, I would want to buy. We do the worksheet with that and we submit that to the builder. Okay. And that needs to be done as soon as possible because, you know, especially projects that have a lot of demand, you want to be one of the first to submit that so you can get a unit. Once a unit is given to you, then you get to, uh, you know, you have to say yes or no. And then after that, it's just a matter of signing. Um, I don't know if you're aware or if the listeners are aware. Anytime you buy any new home in Ontario, um, you do have a 10-day cooling off period. I, I any, any what does common that mean? Element. So um, any, like I signed the agreement today, I have 10 days before it's actually firm. Okay, okay. Right? So that applies to all um, um, condo element uh, products. It does not apply to detached homes, however. Most of the times, brand new detached homes, it's just a firm deal. So you would want to review the agreement before you sign it. Okay, fair enough. So it's, all in all, it's a pretty, pretty, uh, task oriented job and you got to be on top of the game and really just on the ball Correct. and and ready to move very fast 
yeah. ready to move and also ready to um, explain to your client why they need to move and there's no risk in moving because you have to understand you have the 10 days cooling off period and this is what I always tell my clients I'd rather you have it and come in the next day and tell me you know what Monica I don't think this uh, particular uh, purchase will work for me I'd rather you have it and then you come and you tell me to you know cancel it then you don't have it and you come back and it's too late and the prices have already gone up okay fair enough so that makes uh, sense to you no absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah so i want to i want to understand something from you monica because someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have much of a sales background prior to doing real estate you probably in the last you know you said you got your license 2016 so in your last four or five years You've mm-hmm. created your sales plan, you've perfected your sales plan, and you've created something that really works, you know, for you and for your business. Can you talk to me about what goes into developing a sales plan and what makes a successful sales plan? Uh, okay, so my answer might sound a little bit um, uh, crazy for you. I, but we I like crazy. We, we got yeah, a lot of crazy like, on the podcast. Don't even good. worry about it. <laughs> I like crazy. So... To answer that question, I think I would first tell you, um, I don't view myself as a salesperson. I don't view myself as I'm trying to sell you a product because I don't think that's what I'm doing. I look at it as me providing you with a service, with a service that is based on knowledge on, on integrity. And that really is the only way for me to give you um, something that actually is suitable for you. So I would, I mean, I never really thought of myself as a salesperson, and I think that's how I was able to tackle that, even though it's kind of going the opposite of what the question really is. No, um, it's like it's I one know of those it's, things that's very personal to everyone, right? It's it is very personal, but with with real estate, I feel if you just focus on on only sales even though this is not the popular opinion, I feel like you get so caught up in just trying to sell any product and that's it. Instead of providing um, a service to your clients, because essentially that's what we're doing. I'm providing you with the service. I'm providing you with with time, with knowledge that you might not be aware of. I'm not just selling you a product. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's definitely the correct answer because, at the okay, we can all say when we really like break it down. Yes, there is yeah. a product being sold, and the product is the home. But buying a house is not like going to the grocery store and buying eggs and milk. You know what That's I mean? It's yeah. it's a this is a life chapter. This is like a whole new level, right? When 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 a, you know people get married, they buy a house together. Like that's a whole new step in your your life, your relationship. So you're making a. a probably your biggest investment at the time you make it. Um, so there's a lot of decisions that need to be made and a lot of empathy that needs to be, um, I guess, displayed by the realtor, the broker, because, you know, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of vulnerability when people go to buy a house or do a lot of those things that they really don't know about. And, you know, I don't know much about the, the stigma in real estate, but there's definitely a stigma within insurance where, you can't mm-hmm. really trust insurance people because they're always just trying to make a dollar off you, right? So it's it makes it even more stressful when you have to look for someone. And so finding someone who's you know sympathetic and understanding and actually cares about your end goal, that's that's the ultimate thing. And that is a service, right? Like you're not 
when you go to Walmart, the person at the back is not going to, you know, talk you up and ask you how your life goes before they tell you where where you can find the eggs, right? Like it's, 100%. It's a whole, whole different experience. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. And and it shows, Fadi. It shows in, in the way you talk to people. It shows if you're just strictly concerned about making a sale or if you're genuinely um you know, providing information, providing knowledge and, and, and providing a service to your client that will allow them to make a decision that is best suitable for them. Because at the end of the day, only you know your own finances and what you can afford and can't afford, you know. So Absolutely. my job is to to show you all the different opportunities without trying to sell you any particular one of them because the decision is ultimately up to the client at the end of the day. But my job is to really give you all the information that will help you make that decision. And that's why I never really saw myself as a salesperson. I've just thought myself as, uh, you know, a providing a, a, a business service, if yeah. that makes sense to you. No, absolutely. And yes. I just want to ask you one thing. So I know you mm-hmm. deal in your, your day to day, you're dealing with a lot of pre-construction and your you said 80, 90% of your clientele. Sorry, one second. Mm-hmm. 80, 90% of your clientele is investors, right? So Correct. that still leaves about a 20, 10% sliver of space there where you're dealing with a regular end user, right? Mm. Can you speak on the difference of approach that you as a realtor have when you're dealing with someone who is an investor versus someone who's not? Because I feel like that approach is a very, very different it, it is. It is. It is very different, and switching back and forth between the two, it's uh, it's an art, you know. Oh, but, definitely, uh, definitely an art. It's, it's like two different personalities. It's and it is, but in general, like so, the answer to that question kind of ties to the one that we were just talking about before. But um, in general, dealing with people, different types of people in in self, it's a different type of art. Like the way I talk to you is a little bit different than the way I talk to a person Y, X, or or, or so. So with the pre-construction investors, it's a numbers game. There's no sympathy. There's no empathy. There's none of that. It's either <laughs> the numbers make sense to you or don't. Yeah. It's strictly investment. And for the most part, that's how... Um, I tackled that part and I, I also noticed this is how most of investor clients want to be um, um, spoken to. It just give me the numbers. The numbers make sense to me. This That's it. With the, uh, with the resale side or with the end users or the first time home buyers, you really have to have a different type of patience because most of them, it's their first, it's their first ever purchase. So there's so much um, education that you have to give them with regards to what goes on in the transaction, explaining the terms of the agreement with them before you even sign any agreement, you know, offer date, irrevocability date, closing date, title search date, all of those are, are completely something new to them. So I take my time explaining everything um, so they understand what the transaction um, will require of them to do. Whereas with, with the investment side, the pre-construction side, it's, you know, just give me the numbers. I've done it before. I know what I want or I don't, I don't want. You either have this for me or you don't. And it's as simple as that. And I don't know if that uh, is a sufficient enough answer for you or if you want me to go in, in, you, you in keep, more depth. You keep saying that, but honestly, this is a, this has been such a great conversation. Yeah. Like I, And I'm going to say this to our listeners because obviously they don't have the list of questions that I gave you. But 
I've yeah. thrown like six curveballs at you so far, and you're answering like a champ. So I really appreciate it. Don't even worry yeah. about um, sufficiency or not. You're you're bringing out the best in me, so I'm glad. <laughs> no, it's it's my pleasure. No, but uh, but that was that's definitely great. And there's just you know there's a lot to to really embrace with this uh, this whole industry. And there's so many different clients that you're dealing with and client experiences, and every single person is so unique. Um, Correct. Yeah, exactly. So everything, every single transaction is always going to be unique and you're always going to learn something different because you're dealing with so many different people. Um, in the resale side, there's just so much you're dealing with. You're dealing with the listing agent, the lawyers, the appraisals, the uh, inspectors, so on, mortgage brokers. With the uh, with the investment side or the pre-construction side, I, I would say you're dealing with builders, floor plans, and you know, and clients. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I wanna I wanna hear more about something. Uh, let's. I guess it's because I know through insurance that there's a struggle when you're thrown. Mm-hmm. You get your license, you're thrown into the world, and you're said, you're told, hey, go find your client base and hey, go make money. I don't know how you're gonna make money tomorrow. I don't know how you're gonna make money in two weeks. That's on you. You have to learn everything. You have to find the clients and you have to sell. And especially in an industry where. Uh, your your sale is not a, a 10 minute sale you know it could take you a month it could take you a couple mm-hmm. weeks it could take you six months a year mm-hmm. right it really depends on the person how serious they are at the time the the market at the time there's so many different factors right so i want to hear from you your approach and what that's been to growing your clientele obviously don't give away all your secrets every you know re- every person has their <laughs> approach and you don't want to give away all your your, your yeah. keys but i want to know from you what your clientele growth approach has been um marketing 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 in so many different ways and through so many different platforms um keeping up with technology is very important because it allows you to really utilize your resources and be able to market yourself in a way that makes sense to um, today's generation and just makes sense to the way things happen in today's society in general um, I get, actually, you'd be surprised, I get a lot of, uh, even from when I first started, I had a lot of referrals right off from the from the start. Mm-hmm. And I think that had to do with the fact that I was in the real estate business before I even became licensed. So people were already aware of the fact that I had knowledge and experience in, in, the, in the business even before I got licensed. So uh, growing your business is, you know, build a good reputation for yourself. Uh, Base your business on knowledge and integrity, and it will take you so far. Don't just focus on numbers. I know that at the end of the day, it is a sales business, and numbers do matter. But don't let that be the number one focus. Focus on on building a good reputation for your business. Offer a good service. Um, do the correct marketing. If you know, and we live in a world where you can pay somebody to do the professional job for you if you can't do it yourself. And once you go that route, just, you know, figure out a marketing strategy that really works for you. I think it's very obvious right now. A lot of the social media platforms, um, online marketing, Google, um, Google ads, all of that. Yeah. I don't have a problem giving some of my secrets away. If anybody's (laughs) listening and wants to call me, I think the pie is big enough. Everybody can have a piece of it and you really, 
you really get what you work for at the end of the day. Yeah. But really utilize the technology that we have. And if you don't know how, then hire a professional to do it for you. Be active. Um, always renew your uh, the way you look, um, the way you present your business on 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 online like whether it's yeah. social media which whatever it is you know new logos new pictures it just stay active yeah as if we're going to the gym stay active don't <laughs> use the same weights every every month you know you have to go up For otherwise sure. you're not building muscles right absolutely and yeah. uh you mentioned technology now outside of social media are you using technology in any way i know you're all over instagram that's actually how i came across your page yeah so I find Instagram actually works very well with the younger generation. Absolutely. Um, but uh, uh, I use different, uh, you know, to keep up with clients, you use different um, uh, CRM systems. But other types of marketing, honestly, um, Google Ads, they're expensive, but they work. Everybody, you're walking down, especially with 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 pre-construction. You're driving down the road, and let's say you you uh, look at a sign and it says, let's say festival condos. This is one of the biggest ones that I'm working at now. And you're gonna go online. You're gonna type in festival condos, and odds are you're gonna go what one of the first two links. You click on it, and that's where you'll find the information, or that's where you'll plug in your email so you can receive information. Hmm. That's with anything, not just not just real estate. Yeah. So Google okay, Ads are good. For, Google Ads is a huge thing. It's expensive. Um, you have to spend money to make money through yep. it. So I would and through anything. Through anything. Yeah. That's like the first thing someone ever told me when I was like grade seven. You have to spend money to make money. Exactly. I was like, who is this guy talking about spend money to make money? <laughs> yeah. Now, now I get it. You have to spend money to make money 100%. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah technology obviously with with the times you have to adjust you being on the younger end it's a lot easier yeah. for you to make that adjustment i'm sure there's yeah. you know a ton of real estate agents who are struggling to make that adjustment but i think making everything online is just at this point it's there's not it's not much of a choice anymore exactly it's not much of a choice and honestly just just be up to date with what's happening around us that really is the only way to grow any business Obviously, not forgetting the going, taking it also back to basics. It's just like put yourself out there. Everybody you meet should already know what you what you do for, um, like what your business is. Yeah. How how do you Anybody? always uh, keep up with the times? Are you do you have Google alerts on? Are you constantly reading stuff? How how do you keep up I, with the real estate times trends? Well, I like to read in general, so I'm always reading. Um, but also we have a lot of resources through our board that give us stats, um, news articles, uh, even my company, Century 21, they also do a podcast with uh, with the CEOs of the company. So it's so many different things, talking to other um, other people in the field, other colleagues in the field. And also because I deal with a lot of builders, also that gives me a lot of other insights just from the way they handle things because you know these builders are i mean developers for lack of a better term they're they're like they're they're not just coming to build one or two projects they they're in the business for maybe the past 30 40 50 years so they have different types of um research and groups that do a lot of work and I'm exposed to that as well so it adds to my knowledge as well if that makes sense to keep me up yeah. to date with everything that is happening just you know outside the real estate market, you yeah, know, they do market analysis of everything. So, yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, Monica, what separates successful 
people from others is your knowledge and your information and also your ability to seek out the knowledge. So if you are someone who waits for knowledge to come to them, um, you might know some stuff and you might learn some stuff along the way. But think about how much quicker the person who's actually seeking it out is learning it. Right. And and, and when you're having that conversation and and sort of where we're going to head with the conversation is talk about you being a female in this industry. So there's Mm -hmm. there's definitely a pressure on you to to be prepared and to to have everything ready. So um, before we take the conversation there, I just want to hear from you. Can you just tell us a little bit about the market these days? Because I feel like the logical side of me would think with COVID and everyone, you know, not everyone, but a lot of people losing their jobs, that buying Mm -hmm. houses would be uh, sort of halted. But then on the other end, you have all the the mortgage rates are like ridiculously low right now. So everyone's Mm -hmm. like, man, I want to hop in the market right now. So can you tell me what the market looks like from a realtor's perspective? It's it's an interesting market. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, I can't tell you it's only a seller's market or it's only a buyer's market because in my personal opinion, I feel like it's kind of both, but in different aspects. So I'm finding with the, um, you know, anything that's low rise right now, it's a seller's market. It's selling, it's selling fast. It's selling at a high price, any detached homes because of the whole working from home, uh, people want to step outside of the urban city. So a little bit outside of Toronto, outside of the GTA, because, you know, their buying power is a little bit higher right now because the rates are lower and they can get bigger homes for, you know, um, a decent price as opposed to the GTA. So I would say the house market, the detached homes market or any low rise is a seller's market. Anything stepping um, outside the GTA. Um, even going further up to Muskoka, I'm getting a lot of, uh, like in the last two weeks, I've probably shown like 20 different cottages to different clients. A lot more people now want to buy cottages as a second home. Interesting. If you can work from home. Uh, the, yeah, the Muskoka area, I think um, if I have the stats here in front of me somewhere, I believe Muskoka is seeing about 11.51% increase year to date. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting. Yeah, Toronto is uh, and the GTA in general. I would say you're still seeing that increase even a little bit further outside of Toronto. Like you go in Pickering, uh, Milton, like you said, Oakville is is it's it's growing as well. But yeah. even stepping it further outside Niagara region, Guelph, all of that, because a lot of people now working from home. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Just like the idealistic world is that you can work from home for the rest of your life. Realistically speaking, I don't think that's the case. Eventually, you know, uh, people will need, we're not meant to just not interact with other people. Yeah, no. And I agree, but uh, there are a lot of companies who are thinking, uh, well, I should save some money. Why am I paying a lease? Why, you know, why do I have an office space? But you're right. For the most part, people are going to go back to the office. I, I would not say that, the majority of people are going to stay home forever. So I can understand. And And honestly, I'm going to just shout out the Niagara region for a second because I went to school there for like five years. It's my second home. And I always wanted to move out there. So glad to see the market is booming over there. It's booming. Even if you see stats in uh, Montreal, Ottawa, it's also, um, especially Ottawa, a lot of government jobs, a lot of people in the military may be relocating and whatnot. So it's interesting to see what will really happen. Um, I think 
probably in 2021, I want to say maybe about a stabilization of about 5 to 10%. What, what does that mean? In, in terms of the ta- So we're, um, if you look at the August stats, the home prices actually have gone up. The national average home price has gone up by about 18.5%. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And Enough. we are... <laughs> Well, yeah, when you look at the it's <laughs> when you look at the uh, the number of uh, of um, of listing actually on the market, it's uh, based on the stats and based on the and the current um, sales, we're still not enough supply for the demand that there is. We're catching up. The market has uh-huh. kind of shifted because we we had a really slow spring market compared to last year. So we're shifting it now to the summer um, market. So that's why you're seeing the summer market is is, is increasing in, in volumes. Like COVID hasn't really affected it to that extent. Just kind of postponed it a little bit. It kind of just postponed it. And, that, and I just think to myself, well, this is what we're at with COVID. So where would we have been had COVID not happened? That's you know? that's the golden question. I asked that, I, I asked myself that with like every part of life too. It's like what if it's it's interesting, but also you have to understand is that um you know, I think about eight percent of so of those people who lost their jobs are in the um in the uh service sector and those were the ones that weren't um, buying to begin with, they were renting, right? Yeah, for sure. So it's it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes. Um, I think the condo market might it, it had it did slow down. It went down from July to August. I think it was one point something percent, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I see in the future a lot of more younger people moving out. Um, even if you're working from home, I mean, I have an active client right now who lives with the family but wants to move out because she can't work from home because she lives with the family. She can't buy a house, so where is she going to buy? She's going to resort to buying a condo. So I think we're going to see an interesting shift in, 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 in 2021 where things kind of just stabilize a little bit back to normal just to offset the increase that will be happening in the next few months. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I'll, I'll be on the lookout Sorry for that. Sorry if I threw a lot of stats on you, but it's I love just- I love stats. I have a basketball <laughs> podcast, and we throw numbers out all the time. It's yeah. the best. Like there's, you really can't argue against numbers. It is what it is. Like that's just the reality. You got to go with exactly. it and work with it. So yeah, I mean, we thought it was gonna slow down, but the numbers haven't. I'm excited to see the September stats. To be honest, should be out by next week or so, just to see how things were from August to uh, to September. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know when you find out. I'd love to know more about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I want to I want to ask you more about uh, now. I guess we're going to start th- this part of the conversation because I know that b- being a real estate agent, I don't mm-hmm. even know what the ratio is statistically, but it is a field that's dominated by males. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to hear from you some of the challenges that you face being a woman in this profession, being a female at work. Uh, do you face challenges and what would those be? Um, it's uh, This is like my favorite question to answer. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I, I okay, so I'm going to refer back to a post that I actually wrote in on Facebook about a, maybe 
about a couple of weeks ago because I was feeling very heavy because of this particular um, topic. And I honestly genuinely feel that regardless what field you're in, a woman will always have to work maybe triple times, three times as much just to prove herself, just because of the narrative that our society has on um, on women in general, the type of language that we, we, we choose to speak, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge, I don't want to go so much into, you know. The, this, the floor into, is yours. Take it wherever. Um, just to keep it um, neutral, I say, um, I think because I'm young and because I am a female, I, I find the level of respect for the business is not the same. Like if you were to take me and somebody exactly like me, but that's um, a male, I, I, I constantly f- see that the way um, I'm spoken to is different or the way I am being reacted to by the things I say is different, even if my male colleague has said the same, same thing, whether it's standing up for your business, whether it's the, um, you know, uh, clients really trusting you. Um, specifically older um, male clients, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure that like that, that definitely is not a great feeling. So what do you do? Like, what do you, you know, when you have that yeah. feeling, what's your next step? What do you, what is that feeling? How do you turn that into productiveness or something positive? Honestly, I get upset about it for a little bit and then you kind of just have to move on to the next You just literally move on to the next and just understand, like, I think as a woman in general, I finally came just to the acceptance and the realization that I'm no longer going to to fight to be equal. I'm just going to do, like, um, I'm just going to trust that at the end of the day, God will make it work. As cliche as it may sound, I don't see a society where it's ever going to be, women are going to be respected on the same level when they're conducting business. I don't see that. Maybe I'm a little bit of uh, not so optimistic. Well, I mean, you're in you're in the field, right? So there's nothing that I can tell you that's going to refute the experiences that you've had. So, I mean, it's not just my field, though, I think in general, but I don't want to be too, um, you know, only looking at the negative side of it. I think also as as a woman, there's also so much um, um, more value you add to the business because you have the ability to have patience so much on a so much higher level. Um, you you have the ability to be able to empathize and sympathize with different types of individuals. It's just the God-given nature in us. And yeah. I think that actually adds value to your business as a woman. And that's why I said I stopped looking at it in a negative way and I just use it as a as a fuel to power me, if yeah. anything. It's okay if one client didn't trust me because I'm a woman and I send my colleague and, you know, my colleague ends up closing the deal. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You and know? it's and- really unfortunate and it's really sad that you've had to kind of settle with this being the reality and say that, you know, at the end of the day, nothing's going to change. Well, not nothing. We don't want to ever say nothing, but it it is a long road to change for sure. Um, it and it's, is. it's really sad that that's the reality because, like, I, I always say this, and I don't know many things that I can do better than a girl can. Like, you know, it, there's at the end of the day, like we said 20 minutes ago, if you have 
information and knowledge and you seek it out, that is what's going to separate you no matter what. And, exactly. and no matter if you're a girl, if you're a guy, it does not matter. You know, if you know the information on this house and if you're going to give me a great experience, that's all that matters. And it exactly. should, you know, nothing more should matter. And I've, and again, obviously this is, you know, I'm not comparing this to real life, but I've, you know, watched a lot of these shows where they, you know, it's a lot of like real estate stuff. And a lot of them are girls in the shows. And you see a lot of the way that the clients treat them. Obviously it's, you know, we're putting on a show, we have to make it, you know, dramatic a little bit, but I'm sure that you've experienced this on some sort of level where you've just been spoken down to, or the client isn't really taking you seriously. It's just yes. like, yeah, like, okay, keep, keep going kind of thing. Like I'm encouraging yeah. you to speak, but it's like, no, that's not, that's not what this is at all. And it's, 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 it's the narrative in our society, Fadi. And it's not just with business, it's with everything. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And yeah, my advice is just to just take it and just use it as a fuel to push you forward. And you end up, honestly, you 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 get what you work for. So if you work hard, you know, God will give you the blessings. Even if there's that one or two clients that didn't respect you, that took advantage of your business, that, you know, free information and whatnot, or whatever the case it is, because you are a woman, God will always bless you with with other clients that would really res- will really respect you as a business person and as a female at the same time. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And I find that more with the younger generation, to be honest. They really know how to um, show appreciation. Yeah, and I think with times with people growing and our generation coming up and everything being so different, you know, yeah. we as a generation, we tackle issues. We don't just sit there and take them, right? So there's a need for change uh, no matter what the platform is. So I think that with time, we might be able to see that change, but it's not yeah. it's not an overnight or even a next week thing. And and I want to know from you if, if dealing with investors being 80, 90% of your business does that even mm-hmm. does that make it even harder for you as a girl? Because I feel like investors are so stuck in in a certain way, and they're very yeah. like they're very numbers oriented. Everything needs to be like numbers, and they got to take you very seriously. Does that make it even more challenging? You think that you're dealing with it, investors? It did at the beginning, and I think it did because I didn't understand. I didn't want to accept this aspect of life that you know. Even if I have the same knowledge and the same experience, I'm still required to work extra hard to prove myself. But I think once I accepted that it was no longer going to be an obstacle for me to succeed, and once I genuinely saw like God's hands in certain situations and his blessings, I I literally just started to use it for my advantage. And it's all about the way you carry yourself. And yeah. I am. I have the knowledge. I have the experience. There's no reason for me not to trust myself, even if I know the person in front of me requires of me to look a certain way or to be a certain gender in order for them to believe me or to understand what I'm saying. I just, like you said, give them the numbers, break break it down to them, and don't baby them in a way, if that makes sense. I feel like the more you baby the clients, the more they won't take you serious. Just you know, it's different. Again, yeah, yeah. switching between investor to uh, <laughs> to end user is different. It's a so whole different just, experience. Yeah. yeah. I just honestly, it, it was hard at the beginning. 
And I know there's still going to be challenges because of that, but, you know, like, I, 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 I'm going to share this with you, and I don't know if I should or not, but I used to walk into sales offices, and I, before I walk in, I would tell myself, you are a daughter of a king, so it really doesn't matter what anybody else in the room thinks of you. And that helped me close deals, believe it or not. So hey, that sounds convincing to me. Yeah. And if it gives you the confidence and at the end of the day, that's all that matters because exactly you're going exactly. in there to make a sale, not to make a friend. And just remind yourself, you I like, you know, you have the knowledge, you have the experience. This is really to anybody listening or, to, you know, even if it's a female or a male, you know, trust, believe in yourself, trust in your knowledge, trust in your experience. And, and that will take you really, um, really far in life, regardless For of, sure. Um, you know, yeah. what other people think of you. Absolutely. Was yeah. there was there ever any cultural pressure for you? Because obviously mm-hmm. within the Coptic community, we all know that there's the stigma to be, whether it's, you know, pharmacy, lawyer, doctor, and you were pursuing law. So you were, you know, pursuing a pathway that I guess to the general public would seem acceptable. Uh yeah. But you ended up going to something that I wouldn't say is very common, A, for a woman, B, for a Coptic mm-hmm. woman. I don't really know many Coptic females in real estate. I know a couple. Um, and but not I, my age either. Yeah. Maybe an older generation, yeah. Yeah, so it's, so it's definitely something very, very different. So did you ever feel any pressure uh, culturally? Um, did you ever feel anyone tell you, like, hey, this isn't really you know for you? Or were people more accepting of your decision? You know, Fadi, I, I, I can play the victim and tell you, yes, that I did. But to tell you the honest truth is that all the stigma was internally. Because my parents never pushed me to, to go any certain way. They were always supportive. And even when I came and I said, you know what, I think I'm going to get my real estate license. They were all very supportive, my whole family. So I never felt any pressure or stigma from that side. Any stigma or pressure that I felt from the community, I won't play the victim and, and blame them because it's internally, because it's, again, it goes back to how you view yourself. Was it them saying I'm not good enough because I am only a real estate agent and not a lawyer anymore? Or was it really me saying that to myself? Yeah. And I think once you just are honest with your, with yourself in regards with to that, you know how to step aside from these cultural stigmas. Yes, I know people at the beginning were like, oh, you're not going to go to law school anymore? How come? Or, oh, everybody's a real estate agent now. But once you're just, again, not just don't play the victim, step outside of it, and then you will demand the cultural respect and you will see that they will start respecting you because once people see that you're doing well for yourself, regardless what you're in, whether you're a doctor, whether it doesn't really matter whether you you're a teacher, you're anything, any name, any sort of career that you choose to do, they will respect you regardless yeah. whether there is a stigma behind it or not. Is there a stigma? Yes, but I refuse to, play the victim and allow it to affect me anymore. Amen. Yeah, because I understood that, honestly, Fadi, like, if you want a change, then you have to be that change. So stop thinking of it internally, and then that will reflect on your, um, on other people around you, and they will stop looking at at you that way, if that makes sense. Amen. Dropping bombs today, Monica. I wasn't ready for this. (laughs) 
that was I was I'm not sure if I should have opened up this much. Everybody that doesn't know me that's that's listening, but um, I I know, like to you know, what's on my heart is on my lips, unfortunately. So no, and and that's fine. And I'll tell you a story. I remember when I was when I was younger, and I this I'm not drawing comparisons to this at all. But I remember when I was younger, and I was like going to confession. I was like so nervous to like tell. Abuna are like open up to Abuna about stuff because I was like, what yeah. if, what if they judge me? What if they this? What if they that? And very early on, a priest told me, "There's nothing that you can tell me that's worse than the worst that I've heard." And mm-hmm. I and I think that really that specific thing really applies here because, you know what, you opened up and you you gave a lot of insight and you don't you don't even know who is listening to this that took that and implemented it into their work, into their everyday life, right? Just because you're real estate, your approach can be taken and implemented in different career paths. And I think the fact that you are a girl that's coming up here and saying, you know what, this is unfortunate. This is the reality, but I'm just, I'm, I'm done sulking. I'm done. I'm done feeling bad about it. And I'm just going to turn this into, you know, the best thing that I can turn it into and you know the rest is just up to god so uh i yeah. i really honestly appreciate everything that you said and and again thank you so much for your time mark i really really do appreciate thank it thank you and i just wanted to add one more thing i want Please. us to stop blaming the culture for everything because honestly we are a part of it too yeah and sometimes we have to just really be honest with ourselves with regards to that we you know just don't play the victim if you know yeah like I, I, I know yeah. and I and I 100 percent agree. I think it's very important yeah. to not play the victim and really understand uh, there are mm-hmm. certain and, and I'm sure there are certain family settings or cultural settings or church settings where things are held, handled differently and dealt with differently. But yes. for the most part, I think um, people have found comfort blaming the culture as a as a reason or a way out kind of thing, like a scapegoat. And, and that's because we're deep down we're 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 afraid to actually face our inner demons and this is why it's so much easier to blame something outside of us but um honestly what you're doing is 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 actually amazing because you get to show so much of the goodness in the community yeah and and that was the whole goal i know there's some there's so many hidden gems in the community and i want to be able to speak to them myself but also i want people to hear your stories and like for for example like think of someone today who wants to pursue a career but is afraid because they might be the only girl in a room full of 10 guys and every don't, everything don't be afraid. everything you said today could really help that so i i just i'm hoping this podcast reaches who i want it to reach i hope so and let me just tell you something about fear just because you just like it just i love quotes so i have to give you a quote Please. obviously this is like my signature, but this is actually something that relates to fear. And I just came across it in one of the books that I was reading. And I don't know, I hope everybody who listens to it really um, tries to dissect it as well. And, and hopefully it works for them. But the quote is from the book, The Alchemist. It's a really good read. Uh, everybody should read it. Um, it says, tell your heart that fear of suffering is worse than fear uh, than suffering itself. And then no heart has ever suffered when it goes into search of its dreams, because every second of the search is a second's encounter with God and with eternity. So 
my take of that, don't be scared to follow your dreams because honestly, you will go on an amazing journey with God that will teach you so much more about yourself. And we all need that. We really all need that, especially nowadays. Mic, so. mic drop. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much no for that. Problem. And I'm I'm going to give you back the rest of your evening, but I want to say thank you again. And, and I'm really, really, you know, fortunate to be able to speak to you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And to everybody who's listening, um, if you ever need any help to start or you don't know where to start, I'm more than happy to give you any advice that I can I can offer. So awesome. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah. Have a good Thank night. Thank you. Fine. Good luck. And I'm looking forward to listening to all your other um, um, talks as well. Thank you so much. We'll keep no in problem. touch. Good Bye luck. now. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Monica Wahba, and that was such a great conversation. I think it was super, super candid, and uh, I threw a lot of curveballs at her. I really did. Like I gave her a list of questions last night, and I maybe asked like double the amount of questions. So shout out to you, Monica, for uh, for really answering. And I think she had a lot of really important things to say uh, for any females out there who are considering a career uh, where you may feel outnumbered by the opposite gender, or you may feel like this is you know not really uh, suitable or acceptable just face your fears and listen to what monica said and just face your fears right it's something that this is the reality unfortunately and we got to find a way to make it productive uh, also trying to make change and implement change but for the most part just got to find a way to make it productive for ourselves and, and just to turn that into something positive and monica thank you again for joining and guys thank you so much for your constant support uh, suggestions for new guests and everything like that you know where to find me, Apple Podcast, Spotify. Please like and subscribe, and uh, I will come at you next episode. Thank you.